FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello and welcome. I'm Kerry Deal and you are listening to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast on this Wednesday, the 29th of September on a much cooler and cloudier day in London. We are finally starting to feel autumn here. This week, Chris has taken himself off on holiday. So in addition to our oracle of iron ore, Theo, I am joined by Sam Twyford from the FIS Fuel Oil Desk to give us his insights into the oil and products markets. But first, as usual, we have the headlines. What's happened in the past week? Well, a second major Chinese developer, Sunak Group, looks shaky as investors worry about its ability to cover its liabilities, even as the PBOC makes reassuring statements in regard to Evergrande. The U.S. is once again lurching towards a self-created debt crisis as Congress fails to agree to raise the debt limit and Treasury Secretary Yellen warns that cash will be exhausted by the 18th of October. The U.K. finds itself in a fuel crisis as petrol pumps run dry due to a shortage of lorry drivers to deliver fuel from the refineries to the stations. And oil prices hit a three-year high as the gas crunch starts to affect the crude market. Finally, on a lighter note, the new James Bond film premiered in London last night to rave reviews, so at least we have something to look forward to, right, guys? Um, market settlements. Uh, this is Tuesday the 28th versus last week, Tuesday the 21st. Sam, do you want to run us through the weekly change on the fuel oil contracts? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Kerry. Uh, so on the high self barges, we're up 7% on last week. Uh, Sing 380, up 6.7%. Moving over to the VLSFO fuels, starting with the ROTs up 4% and the Sing.5 up 3%. Uh, looking at the high fives now, uh, we're down 12% on the Sing high five uh, with the ROTs off 7%. Interesting, interesting. Up across the board on the high sulfur then. Exactly, yeah. Wow, wow. And uh, on the freight, cake size 5TC at $69,013. That's up 12744 22.6% week on week. Good week for the Capes. Panamax, 4TC at 34,935. That's up 898 bucks or 2.6%. And Theo, iron ore. On the iron ore market, uh, the plat 62%. Uh, yesterday sold it at $112.35, which is up $18.35 or 19.52% week on week. Fast market 65, settled at $136.50, up $19. That's up 40, 16% week on week. And the 65-62 spread uh, settled at $24.15, which is up uh, $0.65, cents, which is up 2.77% week on week. Brilliant. And for those wet FFAs, the TC2 is at 100 bucks. That's up 0.8%. TC5 at 106.43. That is down 7.2%. TD3C at 40, spot 4.1. That is up 9.1%. And TD25, 77 spot 08, that is down 7% exactly. But getting to our commodities, I mean, iron ore, Theo, what's been happening this week? Iron ore, well, I've gone, gone back from a holiday and uh, it's just been, looks like it's been a major roller coaster ride under, under, under $100 uh, last <laughs> week and uh, back up over $100 this week. The iron ore futures um, clawed back some of their losses from the plunges last week as the intensifying energy shortage in China added to expectations the country's steel production will slow. Uh, worsening energy crunch in China is rippling through commodities from aluminium to fertilizer, with uh, provinces accounting for, for 66% of China's GDP now face potential blackouts. In Jingzhou, which is China's second largest steel production province, 70% of steel production lines have been affected 
by energy control measures, according to its lo the local steel industry group. And nationwide production sank 7.2% month on month in September, according to the survey by the China Steel, Iron Ore and Steel Association. On top of power curves, production cuts during winter and a push to improve air quality during the Winter Olympics will also pressure steel volumes in the near term. China now is back on track to deliver flat steel production for 2021. So on the supply side, uh, global iron ore shipments are lifting at about 2% higher year, year to date. Yeah. But the iron ore deliveries haven't increased as much as expected. <clears throat> as a result, port inventories are expected about the same time this time of year um, as, they were last as, of, year. as they were last year. Yeah. And high iron ore is still in demand and prices should be supported due to the very high coal and coking prices. Uh, looking at the virtual steel margins, they've reached uh, 1,700 uh, RMB per tonne, which is, a, is, which is a recent high, and that's due to weak iron ore price and the correction to coke over the last couple of weeks. The uh, blast furnace utilisation rates are about 72%, which is a seasonal low, and the EAFs, which are also suffering from uh, power rationing, are running at a very low production level at the moment. And finally, in the latest developments for the property developer Evergrande, which you mentioned before, Kerry, yeah. uh, China stepped in to buy a stake of it as it tries to limit the spillover effect of the financial sector. The property, uh, keep in mind, property accounts for about a third of steel demand in China. And that's a really key point, isn't it, when we're looking at the steel market, isn't it, Theo? Um, I mean, especially the sentiment when it comes to downstream steel demand, because I said last week, uh, if iron ore bounces, it could be a dead cat bounce. I agree with that still, personally. But what we've seen is that the iron ore is chasing up sort of sentiment in the steel markets uh, as those production cuts caused by the energy shortage kick in. You know, what happens if fundamentally confidence has just been lost a bit in the ability of the, uh, the sort of borrow it to build it uh, property sector uh, to kind of suck up this downstream steel demand? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting ride for Q4. Definitely. Like we've been saying this, this for weeks now. Q4 is going to be an absolute bumper. For many reasons, is that there is that side of the uh, of the equation with it, which is the uh, what is the what is demand really going to be like? What is that downstream going to be like? What's evergreen evergreen going to what's going to happen to evergreen yeah. and the likes? But then the flip side is is the supply going to be coming out of Australia at the same rate? Are we going to have any other <clears throat> energy shocks? Are we going to have any natural shocks? Yeah, uh, weather shocks, which could affect uh, well, the exactly, as well. exactly, and you know, and again, that that. Uh, that energy crunch is not limited to China, is it? I mean, no. certainly here in the UK, we're feeling it across Europe. They're really feeling yeah, yeah. It, I, I, was think, just, so. I was just reading about um, about in Europe. I mean, if you look at TTF, which is the uh, Dutch gas price, that's up at 83 euros yeah. um, today, which is uh, on top of that. Then you look at the EUA market, December 2021 contract. Now the European uh, emissions uh, is trading at 62 dollars, 62 euros. Sorry, and on top of that, then the natural geo contract, which is the voluntary market. December's trading at $8 a ton. Wow. So just jumping. <laughs> Everything's yeah. jumping up. All so of which are giving support to the oil market as well. So it's, Well, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, in fact, Sam, I mean, you have seen some support in the oil market. Let's uh, let's talk about that. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, as Theo says, um, across the whole the whole board, um, a lot of these commodity prices are giving a, a fair bit of support to the oil market. Um, crude prices rallied over the past week due to the lowest uh, levels of stock in the US yeah. since 2018. Um, again, giving further strength to the market. Yeah. But last night we saw uh, on the API uh, there was a four million barrel build, which was quite um, quite a shock for a lot of market wow. participants. Yeah, I did not um, expect that. Yeah, so, so, so uh, as yeah. a result, this morning we've come in and we're off two dollars uh, yeah. from yesterday's high. So, I mean, it's uh, it, as Theo said, Q4 is going to be interesting for um, 
for the rest of the year and how that plays out into the new year. But uh, on top of that, we've got the US Gulf Coast outages still and the infrastructure over there from Hurricane Ida and Nicholas. Still coming back, isn't it? It's, so, still, yeah. it's still causing a bit of a problem. I think about 10% of the product yeah. is, is still offline. Yeah. Um, but uh, also on the news of, uh, on, on the lips of everyone's minds, OPEC meeting next Monday. Yeah. That's um, going to be key. With oil prices as high as they are, I think <laughs> OPEC... So they loosen uh, the taps a little bit. I, I, taps, think, yeah. I think it calls for OPEC to loosen the taps. I yeah. don't know how easy this will be for, for countries such as Nigeria, yeah. uh, where infrastructure, again, investment has lacked over the last couple yeah. of years. Um, but the volatility that OPEC meetings provide over the, every month since the start of the pandemic is given volatility to the market, so I don't expect that to change. No, no. I think one thing we can count on for the rest of this year is continued volatility, right? But uh, yeah. Well, look, turning to the freight, I mean, it's had quite an extraordinary week. And it's kind of interesting, Theo, that you mentioned that uh, it's unclear if Australia will continue to pump out the same level of supply on the iron ore, isn't it? Because actually, one of the things that uh, we've seen on freight is just an absolute rally to that I think no one expected. I mean, as our FFA desk pointed out on Monday, uh, in 1992, REM released their most popular single, Man on the Moon. And uh, <laughs> Cape market participants would be tempted probably to substitute the word man for the word Cape in that. Um, I would argue, though, that if you're going to use that song, the key phrase in that chorus was, if you believe, uh, uh, because Cape rates are hitting literally unbelievable levels. Uh, the physical market has continued to soar throughout the last week with C5 West Aussie China being fixed at 19, 1950 and 20 on Monday already, jumping to 22 bucks yesterday. Uh, C3 Brazil China has continued to soar as well against a tight baluster market. We've seen offers holding back way above the $45 market now. Um, in time charter terms, I mean, just some incredible numbers. Front hauls have been fixed from Seven Islands to China and from Narvik to China at uh, $100,000 a day now. Uh, and what nobody seems to be able to state in all of this is precisely what is driving this. Um, you know, these are levels, to put it in perspective, we probably haven't really seen in, since uh, 2009, perhaps even 2008, before the great crash on, uh, on, on the freight markets. So, um, you know, we're really entering territory here that, uh, that's certainly, certainly well more than a decade. And nobody seems to have an exact uh, finger on the, uh, on the reason for this. Uh, we expected support from some congestion caused by COVID regulations and crew changes at port in China and East Asia, but nothing like the level that would lift the markets up to here. The paper has also chased the physical market north. October, Cape 5 TC is trading at 63,000 this morning, according to FIS Live, while the Q4 is at 52,000 this morning, up over $20,000 week on week. So, uh, <laughs> um, so it's worth noting that according to our technical guru, guru Ed Hutton, the October Cape paper does look parabolic now, and this upside move may not be sustainable for much longer, suggesting once broken, we could see a counter trend corrective phase. So, you know, without some firmer explanation of what's going to uh, to hold rates up, you know, with the physical index now at uh, the Cape 5TC average now sitting at 75,000 nearly today, um, I think we... Uh, we think this is this is probably rising too fast, but let's wait and see. Watch this space. The Panamaxes have seen a healthy market as well, although nothing at all like the moves on the Cape. The Pacific market has looked firmer this week with a healthy premium for both NOPAC range and Aussie India as plenty of inquiry for both means that charters are chasing that same tonnage for both of those routes. The Atlantic also started this week on a positive note with a fair amount of new mineral inquiry coming in on Monday and Tuesday, uh, Black Sea being the main driver there. 
more inquiry has come through for short rounds as well uh, in the Med. But, you know, again, the Panamax has moved up only marginally compared to where the capes were. The Panamax paper has been boosted by the spike on the capes. It's again, though, has struggled to follow all the way along. October, Panamax 4TC trading is 37,250 this morning. That's up about $1,800 week on week. And the Q4 at 36,300 this morning. With the Cape Spot TC average now more than double the Panamax, uh, I think speculation will start that we're going to see some Cape splits. Uh, but in my experience, that also tends to be a bit stickier and not to happen as fast as people expect. Let's watch this space and see, because that could be a big boost to the physical Panamax market as well. Well, on that note, uh, with everything soaring, <laughs> then uh, I think we'll wrap things up this week. A nice brief episode, but uh, thanks, guys, for yeah, all your input. Thank you. Thank you. And I uh, look forward to seeing where we are next week.